And welcome back to another episode of The Last Take. We have another guest with us here as the school year is coming to a close, Mr. Jack Lyons. Hello, how's it going? I say he's going to be joining us here today. We're going to be talking about uh, Nebraska spring game, Nebraska baseball, and more recruiting news. Um, NFL draft coming up here pretty really, really soon, and more MLB talk. Tommy Frazier, he is easily above Cam Newton. I, I highly doubt that. And Nebraska finally beat the Iowa Hawkeyes. Key players to watch, I have Casey Thompson and Anthony Grant. All-time wins-wise, we are still probably easily the best teams. How about that block punt there? That was highlight of the game for me. I mean, their safeties could not handle our receivers. That atmosphere can get pretty loud. Oh, boy. Where do you even get started? This is The Last Take. All righty. Well, once again, you are listening to The Last Take. Jack, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so before we get dive in here, uh, just tell us a little bit more about yourself. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, my name is Jack Lines. Uh, I live on the floor with all these hooligans uh, in our uh, dorm room, and we've known each other kind of for the whole year. Uh, I host uh, the Two Guys, One Foul Pull podcast with my good friend Trevor Darnell. You Great podcast. Thank Great. you. Uh, you guys have had Trevor on before, and basically it's all things MLB. So I'm a Mariner fan. I do kind of from a Mariner point of view, an AL uh, American League point of view, and then Trevor does kind of from a Cubs and Tampa Bay point of view. He has connections to both. But yeah, we do deep dives. Uh, it's a bi-weekly weekly podcast, so just go check it out on Spotify. It's two, the number two guys, one foul pole, the number one foul pole. Uh, and yeah, we just kind of poke around, talk about anything that's been happening in the world of uh, the world of the MLB season, what's been going on, and I can tell you for a fact that this week's podcast is going to be very juicy and quite long, because there's a lot that's been going on. Uh, But we're going to get into our own little MLB section here into a little bit. Uh, I'm going to hand things over to Dylan and his new in Nebraska. Yeah, all right. So, um, quickly first, we'll just preview or uh, review the spring game. What do you guys thought? Thoughts on the spring game as a whole? Um, Yeah, so whoever wants to go first, go ahead. It was cold. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, go ahead. I say, I, first of all, I didn't think the cold was that bad. Uh, Mark, can't, it can't Mark, be like Wisconsin game. I was gonna say the Wisconsin game was worse in my mind. Uh, I definitely agree. But I was also sitting w- with the wind in my face. Yeah, in our faces, Dylan. My bad. I had to leave the game because I was feeling lightheaded. That's how bad it was. Here, I didn't think it was that cold. But anyways, back to the game. Uh, really, it was interesting to see for the quarterback room. Obviously, Jeff Sims. Uh, I think have. Uh, knowing what Justice told us, you know, watch out for the throws he makes. He did make some good throws. He did make some just almost a little bit too much on there. Um, the thing that stuck out for me was this guy named Billy Kemp. He is going to be a yes. dog. Yes, this he upcoming is. upcoming season, speedster, a returner. Um, he's definitely like our Trey Palmer replacement. It, exactly. You get your speed, your deep threat. He's the one guy I'm looking forward to. I, I want to see a little bit more of that Jeff Sims, um, Marcus Washington connection. I really wanted to see that, but unfortunately wasn't there. Uh, but as the season goes on, hopefully you get that going. But Billy Kemp's one thing to go on the offensive side. On the defensive side, I really like MJ Sherman. Uh, you didn't really hear him a lot, but he made some really big plays later on. So those are my... Uh, Prince Will. I'm not going to attempt his last name. but Umalian or something like that. Yeah, he is a dog, and he's going to be scary. Um... New Herbie, uh, we can quickly new your thoughts. Love it. You, you want my thoughts, honestly? Or Go ahead. The logo or the mascot? Both. 
right. I'd say the mascots because the logo we already knew about. So, all right. I personally don't like the new mascot. The dimples in are like very overexposed. Jack and I were just talking about this earlier. I don't really like the big dimples on the cheek. And then why do you wear black overalls when the logo is blue? I don't know why. It's it's for me. It's kind of. I cre- think they're more kind of like gray. I don't think it's they're tough bl- to see. I don't think they're black. I think they're really dark blue. Now they should they should have been more like the logo. You know. I think it more should have been more like lighter blue. But like I thought, they're more like a grayish blackish overall. But I personally don't like the the new mascot. But that's just my opinion. Well, I'm a Husker fan. I like the new Herbie. I kinda. think its face is better than the old. The, like that versions of Herbie when it originally was out yeah. there, it had, used to have an ugly face. Whereas now, I think it's way better a face. Uh, yeah. I think it's the reason the one. The greatest announcement of a mascot of all time. Yeah. I agree. You that, know, that, you, that, you, you, the, type announcement. The motorcycle out of the tunnel walk onto the field was electric, and then and then a little bit later, the T-shirt machine gun. Yeah, oh, on double, the double, it yeah, shot yeah. at least two thousand T-shirts a second. I think into that w- only one section of crowd, yep. and it just moved on. Yep. Yeah, and he was blasting the uh, air horn on it or the whatever tra- the train horn, train horn with uh, coming running boys going. Yeah, what just... was kind of cool too was that motorcycle that Herbie rode on is John Cooks, the volleyball head coach. Yeah, that uh, Trev gifted John for his birthday like last week or something. And then did, the didn't also uh, our president Ted Carter he has a Husker motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, apparently that's a thing for Trev that Trev likes to do. Yeah, which is out motorcycles. Which that has to be the coolest freaking thing. Our AD is cooler than yours. Yeah, our hands out yeah. motorcycles. Hey, trust in Trev. Take that, Colorado and Iowa. Ooh, <laughs> ooh. Yeah, what do their AD, their ADs do? Have no money. Yeah, Colorado exactly. Um, but yeah, overall, really good game. I liked how we started with the fullback trap or dive, whatever. Uh, nod to Frank Solage giving the football to him. That was a cool moment. But overall, the game was boring, but had some really good moments. Um, but yeah, um, we can go around um, for the ones that were there, Charlie. <laughs> Joking. Yeah, single out, Charlie. <laughs> um, so, uh, did you guys have like any like specific like uh, position groups that really stood out to you, or? Whatever, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had the wide receiver room, but I want to just back up just a little bit real quick uh, because we were talking about like overall the game. I think a lot of Husker fans have talked about this, but the intensity was there. Yeah. Intensity, physicality was there. Defense was physical. Already, it looks like we have pretty good coverage. I, I like that. I like seeing the the pretty good coverage. Um, you always have someone there, whereas before past few seasons, it always felt like. You'd have someone open and someone would have to track them down. And it'd be kind of annoying because it's like, oh, they got that easy stuff. When now it seems like our D-backs are in contention for every catch. They're in contention to make a play every time they're there. Prince Emilian was one of the guys who was just all over the place. And already I'm starting to like what I'm seeing from the defense. But going to the wide receiver position, um, Billy Kemp, again, Trey Palmer replacement. He could, he very well could be because he just would get open. He'd get open and he'd make the catches and he just, he's someone that you can rely on, which is honestly what scared me after having Trey Palmer, someone that you can just lean on every time and that he's there. I mean, yeah, he would drop passes every now and then, but at the end of the season, he was playing fantastic. But, you know, he was someone that we could lean on. Now, after he's gone, we have good receivers, Marcus Washington and other people, you know, that we can lean on. But the problem is, is 
they just weren't there all the time. But Billy Kemp, he's just someone, as long as he's out there, you know you could get something good from him. You know you're going to get a chance from him, which is great to see. And then, you know, people that we didn't really see as much, Joshua Fleeks, I was kind of a little uh, underwhelmed by him. You know, I honestly, when I left the game— I have a feeling—I don't, I don't mean to cut you off. I have a feeling he's going to be more of like a special teams guy because he's really fast, mm-hmm. but he's really small. He's only like 5'9", yeah. 180 so, pounds, I think, something like that. So I don't really see him having a huge like contribution other than like coming in and maybe put him in the slot or something. But like you already have, like you said, Marcus Washington. We have Castaneda. He came back. We have Betts. We have uh, Kemp. So I'm, I'm not really worried. Yeah, no. It's just that he was one of the transfer people that I was thought highly of um, coming into it. And... I honestly I didn't even realize I forgot he was on the t- team until me and my friend were leaving the game and I see him on the side of them I'm like that's Josh Fleeks right there he's right there um, but yeah so it's he was someone that I was a little uh, just surprised we didn't really see more out of him but it was just great to see that like that wide receiver room actually in use and just seeing everyone because again you didn't know who we could rely on and what he got Kemp out there playing fantastic so yeah that's what I got for the wide receiver position. Yeah, um, I forgot to mention this too earlier. Linebackers, you bring that up. Um, our two best linebackers, really, to be honest, Henrich and Reimer, both did not play. Mm-hmm. So that just says the linebackers were really good. So that just mean that just shows how good the defense has potential to be coming into fall or summer and fall. So a good thing with that is that you know we have the depth too. While our offensive line may have struggled a little bit, I think that the good thing about the defense that you can look and highlight here is that. They look to bring good pressure in a better way than like we have seen where it's only been um, uh, uh, what's his name that is leaving uh, for the NFL NFL draft or whatever I can't think of his name right now Nelson yeah Garrett Nelson where's like Garrett Bill Nelson Tanner. where like you only had a few people that Sean Mathis as well yeah where you kind of had only those few people and sometimes they'd make moves, sometimes they wouldn't. It looked like I think out of all of them last year, Caleb Tanner and Oshan were probably the best looking I yeah. guess because Garrett no offense he Garrett, was so he was iffy not, he, he was a hit or miss yeah he was so hit or miss where he'd just show up one game and wouldn't be there the next whereas like now you know you look at that D-line and you look at the linebackers and it just looks like they look like a team you watch on TV you know just say like random college school random good college school that plays well they look like they're just always in contention and bring pressure to the quarterback and I just love that the, it just seemed like they were closing the pocket and they looked really competitive. So, love that on your defensive part. All right, Mark, uh, what's the position group that stood out to you? Um, hmm. You know, probably quarterback. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very fair. It looked like it was efficient in some way. Yeah, they, uh, I'd, I'd say Purdy looked a lot better. From more comfortable. Looked, more comfortable. Probably it's because the system fits him more. We were talking about that earlier. Um, also... We saw a lot of the uh, like the lower guys on the depth chart, like Harburg and Torres. I mean, Torres didn't look that great. I mean, he had some good moments. He had some good passes, which he had. He showed his like he can throw the ball really hard, but also at the same time, I didn't really watch part of the second half anyways I mean, when he was playing the most. Let's just say there's a reason he's in the transfer portal now. <laughs> yeah, well, you look at all the quarterbacks we have. Yeah, I mean, when you, I have, mean, we didn't even see Smothers. I mean, it's just like which I mean he was injured, so. Yeah, but, um, but I don't know. I just quarterbacks were really interesting because I was. It was an interesting position going into it. You had all these 
really good players. Hyped up Heinrich Harbor going into it, and he made some good plays, but it just... He had moments, but he also had that really bad sack. Yeah, which was... We ran backwards for 20 yards, and it ended up being like a, what, a 4th and 26? Yeah, which is I... what we're used to anyways, but... He's, he's going to be someone that I think could fit in the offense somewhere. Um, I think the coaching staff is probably high on him. Going back to like Mark, what you said, um, it was just unfortunate. Like now that you got Smothers and Torres leaving, that Smothers you couldn't see Smothers at all because I think it would have been interesting to see him at the lineup um, where he would have added what he would have done. Um, but I just want to give a shout out to Smothers. I'm, I'm a huge Smothers fan, um, and gotta say that I commend him for sticking through a lot of the bad weather here at Nebraska, a lot of just the terribleness that was going on and you know he stayed positive throughout it all even when Casey Thompson kind of like came in there and was just sort of like you could have just relied on Logan Smothers being there but now you got Casey Thompson you got Chubba Purdy coming in and he played through it you know granted he was injured he was injured like like Casey and he stuck through it I hope he succeeds and so does Richard Torres Richard Torres again he transferred he he transferred over with Whipple so that was uh no he was a new recruit he didn't transfer well, I'm saying he came in with Whipple. Like that was Whipple recruited him. Sort of. But yeah, he was no, already like, he was already committed before Whipple, I'm pretty sure. So he was. I'm pretty sure. Uh I could I, be wrong. I think he was a product of anyway, so Whipple he was sort of brought in like a Whipple situation where he'd be one of the people that would would be there. Good luck to him. I think he'd be uh good somewhere else. I mean, he showed that he can be at least sort of a uh, competent back there so yeah yeah charlie did you watch it no i didn't uh, all right didn't watch the game just as we were talking about a little bit last week uh offensive line and defensive line were two of the things that uh, i would be looking at there and then also we talked about uh quarterbacks but jeff sims i don't know it sounds like led the offense things were looking pretty good so yeah the touchdown it was a really good play yeah a couple tackles and, mm-hmm. yeah and we were talking just who we thought would probably start the season and you guys I think all said Casey Thompson we were all saying just because he knows everything but uh I don't know we'll see what Jeff Sims uh comes up with here we've got still till long time yeah, the only August, downfall of the so. spring game we have to wait so long now you, you feel like you feel like the football season is right around the corner especially after seeing so many fans show up there and you're like all right we're back into this thing you know next week we got a game or something like that no we got a long time before that so yeah um jack what's the position group that stood out to you uh kind of going off of what you guys have all said it really was a game of the trenches and i think after watching last season and then knowing like matt rule came in saying the lines, the D line and the offensive line are the pieces of work he's going to work on most. And I think that was very, very clear. Um, and also, it's like your team beating up your own team, so you don't know who's good and e- who's exactly. not. Exactly. That's like kind of the thing. Like, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to just think the defense is doing well. That means our O line is going to be terrible. Yeah. You know, you don't want to think they like, know the same playbook. Yeah. No, no, so, yeah. like, so you don't, yeah, it's tough really hard. to see. But I thought O line did good, and I thought D line got I agree. pressure consistently. Um, but, like, still, I think the O line still was doing, like, good. Uh, like pocket protection like the pocket was kind of clean the entire time you did get some breakaways like that so I thought like the game of the trenches was really really good and I think for just a short amount of time that rule's been here that was really really good to see especially because yeah we have all summer still there's still going to be transfers there's still going to be like all these other things like that's good to see um, so that game uh, got me excited and then yeah going off of back to uh, Sims 
He looked good. He and did. Like, I, I'm a, I was always high on him ever since we got him. I agree. But his mobility surprised me a little bit more. Like, I expected him to be mobile, but he was a little bit more mobile than I, th- like, thought of or remembered him being in highlights and stuff. Uh, his ability to, like, stretch out plays, we saw that a little bit. Like, he could scramble out the pocket. His rollout was really good. And yeah, yeah he when, some, when he had that spin out of the pocket, yes. I think everyone like, whoa, yeah, we've yeah, never yeah. seen this from a quarterback yeah, in a while. Yeah, so that, like he's definitely more mobile than Casey. The arm strength's interesting. I don't know if it's better than Casey because I'm everything I'm judging off of is like Casey last year. Um, and I do I do think it's gonna be Casey's job to lose, but I think that they would have no problem with putting Sims in there. But overall, I was impressed overall. Like, yeah, the second half sucked, but that's like when you have third, fourth, and fifth strings in there. Yeah, it's really hard to see. And also, you have guys that aren't playing because it's like, eh, they, they're not injured, but you don't want them to, like, do anything. So there's stuff, stuff like that. And Casey also wasn't playing, so you don't we don't know. Yeah, that's a huge if is, like, that Casey part. And it's like, the thing with Jeff, though, is that he just looks so comfortable back there, really. It looked like he, he's been he, at Nebraska forever. Yeah, no, he his, I think his role playing with Matt Rule's type of offense really, really fits. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with the new OC and stuff, I think it meshed really well. And I think that that's, I think... The playbook can expand when you go to Sims, and yeah. I don't think it does that with Casey. I, I could agree. I could agree with that because yeah. Casey, you know, I think he can. I think he can run, and I think he can get out of the pocket and stuff like that because it was showed in the first Northwestern game. You know, but part of it too last year. You don't just, want him to have to get out. Of the yeah, you don't. You like, don't yeah, want, that's a big thing. And you thing don't is, want him to be mobile. And the thing is, he didn't have time to even make a decision half yep. the time because he would be on the ground. In also, three seconds. Also, how many designed runs have we seen Casey do? Yeah. Hardly we, any. Sims, you can do a lot with him. Right. And I think that opens up, especially like you're on the three-yard line trying to get a touchdown. Yep. Sim, you know, like Casey could make it. Sims, you know, could make it. Yep. And there's a lot of his athleticism was really impressive. And I, I want to see him get a fair shot this year. I like Casey, and I think Casey's going to be good and like probably a safe choice in the beginning. But I think there's a game-changing element to Sims that we have not seen at Nebraska in a little bit, and I think especially with this Matt Rule offense, it's it's it would be exciting to see. Yeah, I've I've said this multiple times. Both of them will play at some point this mm-hmm. year. Honestly, you know what reminds me of Dylan? Uh, going back to old school Husker football, Brooke Berenger and the other quarterbacks we used to have that would show up on the goal line. You wouldn't necessarily have Tommy Frazier on the goal line. You would pr- throw Brooke Berenger in there, and you'd throw these other quarterbacks that we'd have in there. That aren't necessarily your number one quarterback, but they're there. You go in there, and then they switch the offense, and you're like, "Whoa, wait, wait they can do that!" And that's what I see out of Jeff Sims, and even Heinrich Harburg to an extent with his running. You know, you you just got those people that can just expand the playbook and just completely change what the offense is about. Which I, it's so refreshing to see out of Nebraska when even Logan Smothers and Chubba back there, they kind of played the similar style to Casey back there. You know, we're like. Logan, he could do your option stuff. He could run to the outside, and that's what he did. When I, I would call it every time Logan Smothers would come in for the first time, it always was a designated run play. Um, but now with Jeff Sims, I feel like he can do that way more comfortably. So it, it adds more depth to an offense mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily know. Like it adds some confusion. Like oh, like he's a mobile quarterback. That's something you have to guard. So it's like that's a good. You don't want to be a defense like with Casey. You don't have to necessarily worry about his legs. Yes, there were times where he just ran. Mm-hmm. But Sims, you have to put it in your playbook every week that, oh, but there's a mobile quarterback. They could pull some some tricks on us, and yep. you just got to be careful about that. Yeah. And that's good to have. Anthony? Go ahead. Oh, my my group? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go the other way, if that's all right. Uh, a, group, oh, yeah. a group that really disappointed me was probably the running back area. 
Um, I, yeah, 100%. I 100%. Bro, that that was really bad. I thought we all, I thought AJ Allen he did have some good here and there moments, but the fumble at the very beginning um I think it was like the second drive, I think. I'd say the best one probably out of all of them was either Allen or um I think, Irvin. I say Gabe yeah. Irvin has yeah, the yeah, touchdown. Gabe Irving, yeah. Yeah, he had yeah. that nice stiff arm and broke a tackle, I think. Yeah, he so. he's more your power back. AJ Allen's just more your skill back. Um Trying to think of the other ones that we have right now. Anthony Grant, but again, he couldn't hit a hole really say, that much. No, I think he hasn't had a lot of practice, though. He's yeah, he was out. Say he and Ramir Johnson played a little bit. He had some nice, like he looked like he could, but again, you had to look at this. They have the same playbook, so yep. It, you, and this runs were gonna this, ex- no, runs were gonna explode probably. So. And this also could be to like the lines doing good or bad we don't know yeah like you, yeah it's really hard to tell I mean, yeah it's really hard but i just felt like the way first of all you like gabe irvine he's your power back and we saw that when he got the touchdown aj allinger's skill back ramir johnson he did a really good job of that but i just felt like they didn't and i don't want like what you guys said i don't know if it's just because their whole there's a whole lot of work to do hopefully they do a better job at it but like they got to get the holes they got to I feel like we we tried too much dancing around. We didn't get straight to the hole the way that we need to. Uh, my Michael, mm-hmm. who was a, extremely hard at coaching, he's my he was my high school coach. Uh, he says just get to the hole and get there as soon as you yes. can. You yep. will, you can get three yards every down and you'll eventually get a touchdown. It'll take forever, but you'll eventually get there. You get three yards every play, you will get there. And just just by hitting the hole. You can do that by and by going and my mom would say like, well, why don't they just go around the pile, mom? It takes twice as hard to go around yeah. the pile than through it. So you might as well just go through it. That's what I think we gotta do. That's what Nebraska was good back in the days at getting into the hole. We just gotta execute that a lot better. And this is definitely the running back room to do that. I do think it's gonna develop. Oh yeah, you mm-hmm. just it's tough to see with the spring game with some of them haven't played that. Often, and there, there's so. clear no number one. Yeah, there's there's very it's very clear they don't know who what order they go in. And I think you have to just play off of their skills, and I think they're still developing that. Right I, now. I agree, but Anthony, you bring it. That's a fantastic point. You know, hitting the hole. I hate to single out Anthony Grant because I know he has the potential, and that's kind of the reason why I bring him up all the time is because I just see the potential out of him. But like a problem with like him and a few of the other backs, like they just wouldn't hit the hole. You know, there would be somewhat of a hole there, but they would just kind of stutter a little bit, and but they just wouldn't hit it like they need to. And that's you know exactly what you're talking about. We, we saw that a lot of. We saw the first half of Anthony Grant hitting the hole, seeing the hole. Hitting it and then making the big plays. You know, on the second half, we saw. All right, I need to go. I need to make a move. I need to make a guy miss. And yep. then, well, what happens when you make a guy miss is another guy's right there to get your spot. Yep. And then part, part of that all, well, part of that could be just play design, and yep. it could be like the second half was pretty just bleh. And I think a lot yep. of it was trying stuff out too because it's a spring game, so you can do whatever. So. I do running in the uh, the running backs in the first half were way better than the second half. Like that's very clear. Um, and I think part of that is just play design and just trying to figure stuff out. But it, 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 I'm not worried about it. I think it's Nebraska. I think we'll have a decent, sprint, uh, like running game. But also, like to your point, is Anthony Grant. We know what he can do because on mm-hmm. his best days he was elite to a yes. point. And but on his bad days it was just like, oh, you don't, you're not a factor at all. So I yeah. think it's just eliminating those bad days and just like getting the consistency that we need from that running back room. Great point, consistency. I, I like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I I don't have to really have to say anything because you guys covered everything. I, I you guys already kind of and I've already talked about what looked at or stood out. 
Um, so yeah, we can just move on to baseball. What a weekend for us getting swept by Iowa and kind of crappy weather, but that doesn't, that's no excuse. We still play like crap, barely got any runs across. I guess our best day really was the first one where we put up six runs and we almost came back. But unfortunately when Iowa gets 11 runs and pitching's not going well, it's not going to go well. Then Saturday we got shut out eight to nothing which that's tough. And then um I and then Sunday we took our first lead of the entire series going up one nothing early and then they ended up scoring six runs and we ended up losing 6 to 1. So yeah, that drops us to 7 to 5 in conference play. We're definitely not number 1 anymore. Yeah, this one's tough. We're definitely this this week this weekend really showed that something something needs to be done in the off season whether that is getting rid of bull or figuring out pitching because pitching has been our biggest issue by far. Offensively, Iowa has some really good pitchers, and it it's tough for the offense to go. But still, Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews did pretty well overall. I mean, they still stayed above 400 batting average. We're still a very good offensive team, but we're definitely better against the worst teams like Northwestern. So... Overall, I mean, whatever. It's just pick up the pieces and move forward, I guess. That's all you have to do at this point. And hopefully we go out strong here in the Big Ten play and then get and try to win the Big Ten tournament. Because if we do, that's our only chance to make the NCAA tournament. So, um Blake, you probably have something to say. So yeah, I was pretty fired up. I sent a I sent a text to Dylan. I, I was mad, and it was after my choir concert. I my dad uh, pulled up the score, and I was like, "No way, we just actually got swept by Iowa like that." Like it's just so disappointing. Like I wouldn't be as upset if we were competitive. We just weren't competitive really at any points throughout the weekend, and with the team that proved to us up to that point. Um, you know, against with like Michigan, Illinois, and stuff like that, that even when we don't play well, we can still be competitive with them. Yeah, we'll lose one game. Yeah, we could lose two games, but you know, we'd still be competitive with them. But this time, there was really no ounce of competitiveness. And I just, I don't know what to think of this team now because you put yourself in a bad situation about getting swept by Iowa. You know, Iowa comes off a, you know, they, they won against Bradley six to one. Yeah, that's whatever. And then before that, they get killed. They got killed four, by Illinois, Chicago. Three to 14 in seven innings. Mm-hmm. They got run rolled, and you know they lost three to twelve to to Minnesota. One of the games, granted, they won eighteen and four. They won seven to two. The others, and it's like this Iowa team is is just one of those beatable teams. Now, does this prove that? I mean, we look at the Big Ten as a whole. They're not great at baseball. We know that. But we are the worst Power Five. In fact, a lot of the other conferences are much better than we are. So. Yes, and you look at this, and it's like, are we a good team? Or are we just competitive in the Big Ten? You go out and you beat Vanderbilt. Okay, yeah, that's actually great. You know, you that's SEC. It is also, it was on a neutral site mm-hmm. and kind of really bad field, I'm yes. going to be honest. Yeah, Who thought terrible. it was a good idea to play baseball in Minneapolis at the Viking Stadium where that building is not built for It's that. not built from any multi-purpose stuff at all. I have some friends, uh, I have a friend from high school who's on the Minnesota 
a baseball team, and he has said that playing on that field is the worst thing ever because you can't track a ball. Yep. Turf is not baseball turf. There is a very big difference. So the yep. ball bounces in a completely different way. And more than that, tracking a ball in the outfield is the worst experience. Yeah, because you just look up straight up and there's scaffolding and lights up there that you... Yeah. It's not designed like a baseball uh, dome or anything like that. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's literally not... Like back in the day, you know, you used to have your multi-purpose stadiums, right? And they're... But those buildings were built to be able to do both. Whereas so. this stadium was built just for football and you remove like half your grandstand on one side and you just think that you can put a baseball field in there. That was a nightmare to play. And anyways, um, moving on from that, it's just, I don't know, you know, it's kind of like my thing earlier in the year. I mean, I think Bolt's on a short leash. Yeah, I mean, pitching coach is kind of like a thing with like Scott Frost and Eric Shenander, you know, with the defense, you know. I think Eric Shenander should have been gone first than Scott Frost, um, but I didn't mind seeing Scott Frost go, then Shenander go. Could be the same situation here. I think that, you know, you 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 go off the heels of another team and you got like, yeah, you win the Big Ten Championship in 2021. But and 19. They won it in 2019? Yep, 2019, 2021. 2021 was Wilbolt's first year, though. Yeah. First full year, yeah. Yeah, first, first full year. So you go off that... And really, those aren't necessarily his players. No, um, we didn't win the Big Ten in 2019. We yeah. made the tournament, though, yeah. 2019 is at large, because that's when the Big Ten was actually good. Mm-hmm. And so you go and win 2021, really, with not necessarily your players. Um, and then you just really have put on a stinker since, and it's like, I am not willing to give him the time. When you have pieces on your team that can be competitive, I think there is a coaching issue. I, I just genuinely do think there's a coaching issue, because midweek games, yeah. I mean, Dylan, we've talked about this. Almost every team struggles with midweek games, mm-hmm. which is just kind of a part of it in college baseball. But at the same time, we lack competitiveness in some games. You know, you can't just go lose to all of your in-state teams that you're really way better than. Uh, cut you off real we, quick. We uh, are leading. Huskers are up 3 nothing in the bottom of the third with two outs. Uh, they just took Corbin Hawkins out. He's a really a, just a reliever. Um, now they're putting Jalen Worthy, who's a freshman from Lincoln East. So, yeah. Yep. So off to a good start, but you know we'll see you later on after this podcast what what happens there. And I don't want to spend a crazy amount of time on it. Um, but like, because I don't want to get redundant. But I just think Will Bolt's on a short leash, deservedly so. I think like he's deserved. I do think it. though, if we really turn this around and we go on a good streak, I mean, let's be honest, the rest of our opponents are not incredible. I mean, we have Omaha today. Then we have um, San Diego, or South, Dakota, South Dakota, State. Dakota State tomorrow. And then we have Minnesota over the weekend. Minnesota's, they haven't been the greatest this year. Then they have North Dakota State at home on Wednesday next week. Then we have Maryland on the road next weekend. That will be our like last chance to really prove something because Maryland's all right. I mean, they've been, they were ranked 13th coming in in the year. They've kind of been mid, but. I mean, that's still a good chance to prove ourselves on the road. And then we have Creighton. We'll finish the game from last week. And then we have them, and then we play them again that same day. Then we have Penn State as our final home stand, and then Purdue on the road. So, I mean, it's not incredibly tough rest of the way, but that really just proves that we've really screwed ourselves out of the NCAA tournament unless we get uh, automatic bids. So. It's so unfortunate because, again, you have the bright spots in your team, but it's just we're just not well-rounded enough, and I think, again, that is purely because of coaching. You, With this team, you could be you could coach them to be more well-rounded than they actually are. It just sucks because we have three for sure All-Americans probably, mm-hmm. two for sure. I guess Max Anderson and Bryce, Bryce Ball are 
both going to be All-Americans for sure. Pitching, Emmett Olsen hasn't been great lately, so I don't know. But for sure, the for sure Bryce Ball and Max Anderson will both get uh, All American. So it just and there's a lot of other players are doing really well this year too. So for me, that series, like I'm not, I haven't paid attention hugely to Nebraska baseball, but like it just didn't look like they battled at all. Like I know a lot about Iowa and their pitching and stuff, and like Iowa's pitching is good. Like it's straight up, it's one of the best in the nation. They got some flamethrowers on that team. And really what our team, like what Nebraska did not do is control the strike zone. And that's how you win baseball, especially in uh, in college, is you take your walks, you get on base, and then you go from there. And it really didn't feel like there was an effort. There was a, an intensity. I think what you guys said earlier, like there wasn't an intensity and stuff. And I think it was one of those, like you just get overwhelmed by a really good team. And I think that's what Iowa is. I think Iowa kind of right now is the best team in the Big Ten. Easily. By, yeah, by a fair bit. And I think to beat them, you have to beat their pitching. And really what you did in getting swept is you're not putting up, like, it's it's really going to hurt. It's going to hurt you the rest of the year. Like, it's going to hurt you in the long run. Um, you do got to make the Big Ten tournament. You got to make a statement in the Big Ten tournament to get to the the uh, get to the ship in Omaha. But um, we have to, I think it's been officially said now, we, we, we have such a low RPI. We're like 212. We will not make it if we don't win the Big Ten. Yeah. So, and I think it it's possible. It is possible. Like I, I, I it, definitely can see we can just go on a hot streak. But like like we did ha- earlier this year. It so ha- it has to start now. And I think Minnesota. I think Minnesota is the perfect opportunity to turn it around because Minnesota's pitching is not great. Their offense has been iffy at times, and this offense has been really really good for a lot of the year. And it's just the one series you really needed it. It didn't show up. I got a question for you, Jack. So like going off of like. You know, controlling the pitching and stuff like that, and get around that. Is that something that can be coached to like? Absolutely. You know, no. It's it's all about it's a mental toughness in mm-hmm. a player. So what you really want to do is you want to know your count. So if it's like a like very basic example, if it's three zero and the guy's not throwing wild, he's just barely missing. It's going to be a fastball down the middle. Like that's yep. what it's going to be. So mm-hmm. it's like those things. So it's it's knowing your count you're in, knowing the pitch you're going to get. And with Iowa, you know they're a high velocity team. Their entire team is. Their entire pitching staff is. It's high velocity. And then you're going to chase stuff down the dirt, which is exactly what they did. They swung a miss, and that can be a part of the game, but that can also just be like all the guys are off. And like that's completely okay. But you don't, coaching really comes important in the mental state of do not let them mentally beat you because as soon as you get in that box and you think you're going to be out, you're, you're done. You're screwed. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's what the guys did this weekend. I do not think it is. But when you face a tough opponent like that, it's really, really hard to get out of that mental sphere of, Oh, he's throwing gas. I have to like I have to hit a home run. Like I have to do something big. Um, so it's really they needed to simplify it. I think this weekend. I think offensively, and then pitching's been bad just from the start. Like, and really Iowa's bad. proven too at home. They've only lost two games this year at home. Yeah. So they're, they're, when they go on the road, they they have struggled. Seven of their ten losses have been on the road. So we've talked about like you guys have said like yeah, the Big Ten's bad at baseball. They're bad. But Iowa is. But if you put the Iowa, best team, you probably. put Iowa in the SEC, they could be competitive. You put Iowa in the Pac-12, they could be competitive. ACC, I think they would run the table. Like there's other conferences, I think they'd be fine. And I, I'm kind of excited for the NCAA tournament because as of right now, I think Iowa's the safest bet to win the Big Ten to go to the tournament, and I would really like to see them play like an SEC team. Yeah. Because I think that caliber of pitching is really, really good. I mean, they've already shown they've beaten number one LSU already this year. on, yeah. a, on a, yeah. Again, neutral site, but still. 
They've beaten very good teams and this year, and they're sitting at a really, really good record. Well, also, if you know anything about college baseball, you know that LS, this LSU team is historically good. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. This LSU team is, they have the number one overall pick uh, in, in Dylan Cruz in the mm-hmm. draft. Like, he's, like, they are good. Dylan Cruz right now, I think, is like, he's st- still only batting 440. Like, he's still batting 440, which is insane. So, I don't I don't follow college baseball as much, but I remember last year, Tennessee had, like, a really good team. Yep. Is, how would you compare that team to this team? So, Tennessee reminds me a lot of this Iowa team because of the velo. So, everything in college baseball, if you control the, like if you control the strike zone in pitching, you can kind of control the table. So, Tennessee last year... I thought was really good, and but because it's a tournament style championship, Lost it all it ta- all it takes is one game. Like, yep. all that's all it takes. So it like, and also Tennessee had lost a couple up until the tournament too. They like they were stumbling getting there. So the like Ole Miss won last year. Ole Miss was ranked really high in the beginning of the year. Horrible start, which is a lot like they're doing right now, which is something to keep an eye on. But horrible start, dropped out of the rankings, snuck up in the SEC tournament. But eventually, like ultimately, like I think, um, I can't remember if they won or not. But uh, got enough to get a bid into the uh, College World Series, and then they just they kept going. And that. that's all baseball. Like that's baseball. That's that's all it is. If you're hot and you're seeing pitches and you're doing the right thing, you can beat anyone. I think that's what this Nebraska team is struggling with: is the mental t- uh, toughness. Uh, excuse me, the mental toughness and its ability. And I think if you really get it turned around now, you have a really good shot of meeting Iowa again. In uh, Big Ten, in the in the we'll, tournament at some point, but. we'll have some advantage, I guess, because it's going to be in Omaha. They moved yeah. to the Big Ten tournament yep. there, so I mean it's in our backyard. So we got to take advantage because mm-hmm. we are guaranteed at this point, almost unless we lose out, we will make the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, and this offense we've, we've this, done really well already. This off- so this offense is way too good. This offense yeah. is really good, and I think. It just got they got mentally beaten this weekend, and I think that's where they sit right now. And if you dug yourself into a hole, accept it, get up, and brush the dirt off, and you just keep going. And I think if you if you you could beat Iowa, it's gonna be hard, but you could. And I think that you can make a run in the tournament. Maybe I, maybe Iowa just gets beat before we have to play them. So that, that could no, work that, out for that, us. That's that is baseball. Baseball yep. is weird. Baseball is really really weird. And. Uh, yeah, anything can happen, especially in college. College is the weirdest. Yeah, uh, quickly, we can go over transfer portal real quick. So we had three players enter the transfer portal today, right? Yep, three. So we had Logan One, in, Sm- one unofficially, which is Logan Smothers, but we, he is. Logan, Logan Smothers, Victor Jones, and uh, Richard Torres, we were talking about earlier. Um, but overall, those are big, big time. Or some of them. One of them is. Really I never even sure. heard of the uh, the wide receiver. I'm gonna be honest. I've heard of him, but he. I don't even think he played. So yeah. Whatever. It's gonna happen. We have to really drop down our scholarships because we're way over. Mm-hmm. And ten, we're like only like ten. That seems like not that much, but that is huge yeah. in college football. So we have to be down to like eighty three by summer. So yeah, not. We don't have to freak out about it. I mean, I'd say if you're Colorado, when you're literally in it, Changing your entire roster, that's a little bit more different than like just slimming down. You oh, know? yeah. Having 18 players leave on the same day, Dion must be telling them to leave. Yeah. I mean, that's what he did. Which actually, I, don't even, so. I don't even want to know what's actually going on behind the scenes there because it's probably a good thing that we don't know. Yeah, really. Because I, I, I don't understand how that's how that even is possible and how that thing works, like how that will work, in my opinion. Um, because like we just never seen. Like we've seen, like yeah, ten players or quite a few players from the transfer portal come over to a team, and you know make an impact. But like, 
literally just getting rid of everyone and getting everyone new in. Even a good player, one of those great players that just that just had a great spring game, uh, Montana. Yeah, is leaving. That that's really surprising to me because I, I really thought if you're because Dion was sort of championing in the beginning, leave or be competitive. You know. It, or leave no, or, he said I'm bringing baggage, yeah. and that baggage is Louis Vuitton. So get out, yeah. essentially. And um, I, I thought he, I thought he'd appreciate the competitiveness of other players wanting to be there. But really, I, and I feel like this, it, I don't really necessarily want to put it all in Dion, but I think the coaching staff also could have an issue with it because there are some personalities also on that coaching staff. Mm, Tim Brewster, yeah, like the mil- dude who thinks he's like uh, the one guy from a Full Metal Jacket. That's what he thinks he is, the the commander from there or the general or whatever. Yeah, but um but yeah. Um it's been a fun couple days. Mm-hmm. Um Hunter Silas visited over the weekend. Um this is Twitter, so this is not official or anything, but I seen something where he's down to Wake Forest in Nebraska. That's probably not true, but I definitely think Nebraska's in the running. Um we had a twenty twenty five five star forward visiting uh yesterday. So, and then a bunch of football recruits like Brandon Baker. He mm-hmm. is a, I'd, it'd be really nice to get him. I'd almost say must get now at this point because he's visited three times in the last month and a half. So, it would be really nice to get him. Um, recruiting wise, we got a couple commits. We had uh, Willie McGinnis, the, uh, the son of the former NFL player. Uh, he committed on Saturday before the game. Um, and we also had um, Ian Flint. Ian Flint. Who liked our tweet, by the way. And his and dad. His, and his dad. So, yeah, overall, good weekend. Hopefully for the best. But yeah, we can move on here, take a quick break, and we'll be back with some MLB, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Welcome back to The Last Take. Uh, I'm going to hand things over to our guest, Jack. He's going to be talking about um, something big going on now in Major League Baseball. Jack, what's going on in the MLB? Thank you, Anthony. Yeah, uh, what I'm going to talk about is kind of the biggest news in sports that's kind of been feeling like it's been boiling over for a long time now. It's almost been happening, and now it's finally happening. That's the Oakland A's officially moving to Las Vegas. Uh, the A's are gone. It's their, Now, the Vegas will be their third City, I believe, in their history, because they went from the Philadelphia A's and changed to Oakland in like the 60s, I believe, and then now to now to Vegas. But uh, if you want to get more of this conversation I'm about to have, check over at me and my friend Trevor Darnell's podcast at Two Guys One Foul Pull. Uh, we're gonna really do a deep dive on on, uh, on this and along with other other topics, along with Max Scherzer's suspension, uh, trades, uh, uh, theoretical trades, and some uh, big signings that have happened lately but uh for right now the oakland athletics and it's it's pretty simple their owner (laughs) owner uh john fisher has been there for a long time uh in oakland and basically for the past i want to say seven years it has been seemed like oakland has been forcing themselves out of oakland and trying to get to las vegas which is where kind of the new Capital of sports, I would say, say is. I, I say we talked about this on the radio. So Vegas becoming the new ca- sports capital of the United yeah. States. There's 
money. There's everything you need in a city is in Vegas. Sports betting is just so huge right now. I mean, that is just the topic of everything. Huge. Every sport, even like so like you know, we host a NASCAR segment. You got NASCAR fantasy. NASCAR is actually partnering with different companies to do sports betting. Yep. And like, how are they going to change their conversations? Like, will they change the sport for sports betting? It's everything. And now that you got Las Vegas, which is literally the center of it, you know, I mean, it's just it makes sense for the sports to all want to come clamoring around it. Absolutely. And it really it started with the Golden Knights. There, It was a test. An NHL expansion team. Let's see how they do. And, uh-oh, we accidentally made the NHL finals in our first season. And all of a sudden, you realize, oh, there are fans here. A couple of years later, the Raiders finally leave Oakland, get out of that stadium. They go to Vegas, and it's just as popular, if not more popular, because now they're in Vegas. The Raiders and still suck, but yeah. The no, the Raiders <laughs> still are awful. And the Golden Knights have had up and down years. Yeah. But no matter what... It's the, working out, though. The only thing that they have... Like, owners around, I think, everywhere, commissioners everywhere have been looking at is... Now that sports gambling is legal, and do they have a fan base? That's mm-hmm. all they care about. Yep. Sports gambling is just going to bring in revenue. That's all it's going to do. And if you have a fan base there, which you do, because it's a revolving door, people aren't going to get sick. People are always visiting Vegas. They're not going to get sick of the team. It's like, no, no, no. Oh, you're in Vegas? Let's go to a Raiders game. Oh, you're in Vegas? Let's go to a Golden Knights game. And now it's going to be, oh, you're in Vegas? Let's go to an Oakland game. And uh, oh, Excuse me, an athletics game. Yeah. Uh, let's go to that now. So it's going to... It really has been just the owner kind of not putting a good product on the team, not making fans want to go. And I really, really feel bad for the fans and the passionate fans of Oakland that like baseball because there are like passionate fans. And if you look at the 2018 lineup for the A's, it's all-stars. That's all it is. It's Marcus Simeon, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman. You have Sean Manaya on the uh, on the bump, too. It's like that's a good team. It's a playoff contending team. And it seems I've made deep runs in the playoffs before, but all they do is get good prospects and they sell them instantly. And they've just been doing that for years. And owners can deny all they want about not like not doing this on purpose and just rebuilding and replenishing the farm systems. Like, no, no, no. You have more money than a third of the owners out there, and you're spending the least amount of money on purpose year in and year out. There's a reason you're doing this, and you just got what you wanted. And uh, I believe what the land they bought is like right next to the Coliseum, too, in Vegas. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. It's relatively close to it. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's all, all the arena. The, yeah, everything's. It's there. right off the strip. It's gonna be right there. I uh, don't know what year they haven't even said years yet, but that's gonna I, take a while. Is it 2020? Not seven. my guess is 2026. I, I heard 2026, 2027. Yeah, might be when they officially move yep. in there. So yeah, so. It's interesting because the A's owner finally got what they want, but it does, it shows baseball that, oh, okay, we can expand a little bit. And so talks of this have already been happening uh, around the league too. There's a group in Utah right now that have just put in a bid to try to get an MLB team, uh, an expansion team uh, in Utah, which is really interesting to see if there's a big fan appeal for uh, a team in Utah and can it be sustained. There have been talks about Nashville. There's been talks about another Texas team. As well, um, so there's it, baseball's expanding. It is as much as people. Some people say the sport's dying. It's expanding massively, and I think it's about money. And I think this Vegas move is going to be just be just. It's just going to unlock the door to a whole lot more opportunities. I don't want to cut you off anything if you're going to say anything, but um, Jack, I got a question for you. So I mean, you got like MLS is the kind of the example that I go to for like setting like the more recent example of like expansion teams just because like i just feel so familiar with that but like so with the mlb like how would that expansion team like how would the expansion team work like to 
be quite honest, I don't know, and I don't think the league knows either. So the NHL and the NBA are kind of like the two most recent t- uh, leagues that have do- that have done consistently an expansion team without a team moving or getting a new owner or rebranding or whatever it may be. So what it very well could look like is you would have to change. It's sort of been to well, there, a little bit. There was an expansion draft in 1997. Yep. When you had the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and the Diamondbacks come into play. And then you also had it when uh, it wasn't what, technically was it, an expansion, but. When was the, Montreal an expansion team? It was not an expansion, but they got moved over to Washington. But they had, yeah. they still had an expansion expansion draft. Yeah. So they still had that type of uh, stuff. So baseball is not done in a long time. There have been talks about changing the league around to the point of like, you do a three league system. You do coastal. You do uh, like kind of your local. You, like you'd shift leagues around if that happened. Um, I'm personally not a fan of that. I think you should do stick with AL NL. And then you just add teams to divisions until it gets gradually more and more. And I also think that if baseball did it, it would be an expansion draft like anything else. I think you'd get, they'd probably get, because now baseball does a lottery first round pick. So I think the like you'd get the best odds to have the first overall pick. I think that's natural. But also what baseball does in their draft, it's not the NFL and it's not the NHL where you draft and they're on your team right away. You're talking about if you get a, the best overall high school prospect, you're waiting at least three or four years until that kid's on your team, and you don't even know if he's going to be say, good. Say, because how many rounds are in the first year MLB draft? They have dropped it down to about 20 now. It has been at like 80-something. I'd say it's it's a pretty high number because you got to worry. And then after, not, the, but after that, they do a signing period yeah. where they just sign kids, and it's like, you're not making any money, but we'll invite you to a camp. You can work out for us, and maybe we'll sign you to a like low-of-low minor league contract. Because I think baseball, it's, it's the most interesting sport because I don't feel like you're quite – control of one team. You're not control of the pros. No. You're your control of your triple A, your double A, and even your single A team. So, yeah, so it's you're trying it, to figure out which prospect is yeah. able to call up, which ones you need to send down. It's a it's a lot. It's to make a baseball team, it's not just the major league team. No, it's overwhelmingly it's, it's, it would be really, really hard. So I personally I do not think an expansion team is likely. I think baseball would like to do it because it, it means more money, more viewership, all the ads, everything, everything, everything. I think they would like to do it. I think it's insanely hard, and I don't think they're... You have to see how this Vegas thing goes first, and you have to give it, like, three years to see how it does. And if new if new places are willing and if it works out, uh, you can kind of go from there. Uh, Jack, I got another question. So, like, you know, again, with all these different sports, like, doing the expansion stuff, I mean, you know, from an outside perspective, one of my best friends, he's a huge, huge MLB fan. He's always been a huge baseball fan his entire life. And, you know, we've talked about, especially the lockout, I gave him a lot of flack last year about the lockout happening and stuff like that. Do you feel like an expansion team would be good to, like, I don't want to say modernize baseball, but kind of just, like, adapt to what everyone else is doing um, and sort of just kind of like, you know, you feel like every sport, their viewerships are going down and stuff like that. But do you feel like that would give sort of like that kind of like mainstream boost they've needed for a little while? Because I feel like baseball has kind of struggled with that as of recently. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think it would. And I think because, so baseball's done a, used to be awful at marketing their sport. They used to be one of the worst. It was like NBA was one on like just the modern day teenager who was like NBA one, NFL two. And I think at some points like hockey was even better than MLB. Lately, baseball has been really, really good at marketing their players. So because of that, it has done nothing but in, in today's world of social media, you see a Shohei Otani highlight. It feels like once a night. If you're just an avid, Otani helped. Yeah, no, Otani helped a drastic level. I think I would compare 
this is not an ex- over-exaggeration at all. I would compare Otani to the modern-day Michael Jordan for baseball. Because you think of, you like, before Otani, he's like, yeah, you thought of Mike Trout as the GOAT, but Mike Trout could walk into a grocery store, you wouldn't know him. No. Like, even if you're a baseball fan, you wouldn't necessarily know as him. Otani is a specimen and a such a good player on both sides that he's doing things that no one's ever done, and that's exactly what baseball needed. So I think... To answer that point, I don't think it would necessarily help it become mainstream. I think it's already mainstream, and I think the only like it. Okay, I'll take it back. It would help. It would add more fandom, but I think baseball's doing just fine without it right now. That I don't think. I think they would like to do it, and I think they've even like they've there have been talks in the past of like adding a team in Mexico because like yeah that would be cool, and you'd add an entire that country dem- loves you, baseball. You'd add an entire demographic that's not now looking at like they always look at the the Dominican Summer League, which is just basically like a beer league for Dominican players that just go there and just hit tanks, and that's all they do. But now you're adding different demographics, so what that does is overall money that's all that matters. all matters is money so if they're looking at more money but right now uh really all that matters is the marketing of the players and right now their marketing for players is really really good and i think that baseball in like the past couple of years because of otani i would point out that it does shoot up and you have events like the world baseball classic that's like it kind of gives you just a boost of whatever you need in kind of like marketing your sport and stuff that was actually a really good comparison with Otani because, you know, uh, when we visited Blake, you weren't there, but when we visited Kauffman Stadium, you know, there our Unfortunately. tour our tour guy was saying like, what team you know brings the most coverage, and it's the Los Angeles Angels because of Otani and how many Japanese reporters are there, and you know, like what you're saying. Marco Jordan probably couldn't go anywhere without being. No, it's the inter- it still like, can't. It's the international aspect, and like you go to an Angels game, you see so many people of J- uh, Japanese ethnicity that are there for Otani and Otani only. Yeah, and like Ichiro kind of had some of that back in the day. Like I remember going to Ma- Mariner games, like and Ichiro signs were everywhere, like back when he was playing. But Otani's doing it in a way. It's like. No, he's doing like the most thing, fun thing that there is, and that's hitting a home run. And then he's doing also he's, the and he's most, pitching. Too. Yeah, no, he's doing so many things that no one's ever done before. And I think because of that, it markets the sport in a way that it's never been marketed before. And I think baseball's like I think baseball's in a good spot. Like, yeah, you had the lockout last year. Like, it hurt because if anything, it just showed you how greedy the owners are. Yep. Which I think this Oakland A's guy is because like he's worth two point three billion dollars, which is a lot more than some guys, and he's not, he's not like. He's not. He's not he's, paying the yeah, his players not pay, at all. He's he's, he's, he's strict with his money. Like it, it got to the point where it's like, oh, Oakland has a decent player. Like they're gonna get traded. And like I guarantee you, it just kind of continues to happen. Um, but yeah, so Otani has completely changed the game in that aspect. And if the MLB wants to expand, they can expand. It just it's really really hard to do that. Yeah, that's that's just kind of question I had because again, you know, I kind of pick my friend's brain and kind of just poke fun at him just because you know MLB has been in like. Same with, like, my sport NASCAR. The ratings have gone down, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, we just talk about, like, kind of, like, just about, like, the sport's dying as a joke and stuff like that. But, you know, again, you just bring up great points about, like, just you don't they don't necessarily need that. And personalities, that's actually something that kind of sparked my interest. Because, again, relating back to the sport I like, NASCAR, Chase Elliott was gone for so many weeks. Viewership went down. Now, the past two weeks, the viewership has been steady or even up with Chase Elliott back. And he's kind of, like, that main person, that main sort of just everyone that like most people can know yeah that's what happens when you're the most popular driver yeah well yeah, yeah so the baseball is that with otani you don't really have it with trout because trout doesn't have a personality like he's mm-hmm. good but he doesn't have a personality you have it with julio rodriguez you have it with fernando tatis jr we have it with a lot of young guys and what's really good for baseball is 
these young guys just keep coming in. You had Adley Rutschman last year come in. And he's like, oh, like, he's fun to watch. And you have, like, new guys this year that are coming in and, like, are really fun to watch. You have Corbin Carroll, who I played against in high school, but, like, which is crazy to me. But, like, he came in and his, like, he's stealing bases like crazy. So baseball's in a good spot. And on top of, like, their viewership's been way up this year. Part of that's because of the new rules. So you have the pitch clock. The game's going yep. by faster. There's more action. There's more stolen bases because of the bigger bases and stuff. So you have it, – it. it is a more exciting game than it's been in a long time. And I think baseball's in a really, really good spot because of that. And I think this move from Oak, uh, from Oakland to Las Vegas for the A's, if like I don't like it because it shows that, oh, we can just get up and move a team like that. Like, and it doesn't matter. And, like, that's bad for fandom. But I think it's good for the overall baseball community and viewership because you know for a fact – Everyone's gonna be watching that first game in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's gonna be like that's a closely watched thing that's gonna happen. So, I think it's it sucks for the fan, but it's good for baseball in a weird way. Like, yeah, it's, it's one of those like the ownership's not mad, but you also it's like it had to happen because they weren't treating that stadium right at all. You had the uh, away broadcast booth in Oakland had to be moved because there was a possum living in the ceiling of the stadium. When have you ever heard of that? Like that doesn't happen. Or like the feral cats in the stadium. You know exactly. It's just just like oh, that's awful. That's horrible. Like you shouldn't be treating a stadium like that. But it's like no, no. This is a way of the owners forcing themselves out. And as soon as they get to Oakland, they're going to spend money. They're going to do whatever it takes. They're going to be as flashy as they can. And that's good for baseball. It's not good for the fan that lives in Oakland that has grown up watching the A's. Like my dad was an A's fan growing up. He watched Conseco. He watched McGuire. So it's like you take away that history and like that some of that fandom. And uh, but. But yeah, it's overall. I think it will be a better move for baseball. I think it had to happen in the long run. I don't like. I just don't like the way it was done. Yeah, it sucks for Oakland's because they lost, or they've already lost the Warriors. They've they lost the Raiders, and now they're losing the A's. They're not yeah. going to have any pro teams there. Yeah, it does suck for them. But overall, business wise, this is a smart decision. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, that's what it's will this be. bring. What's next for Vegas? Are they going to get an NBA team? They could get a. Do you have an MLS yet? No. no. I don't think they might ML- get one. M- the MLS is expanding faster than any other sport in the world. Yeah. So I would mm-hmm. not at all be surprised if yeah. MLS would, gets goes I, to Vegas. I was talking about it, I think, on Saturday. Like, every year, because I don't follow the MLS that closely, but I'm like, where did these teams come from? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, no, yeah. St. Louis and, has mm-hmm. an MLS team. Like, And uh, not only that, Charlotte. they get these teams, and they sustain really, really well. Yeah. Really, really well. And it's, it's, it's fun to watch. And it's like, yeah, soccer is not the biggest American sport, but... It works out really well. Like it turns into one. Like the Sounders in Seattle, where I'm from, it's like, oh no, people go crazy for Sounders games. Like they're insane. And you get like a rivalry like Portland and Seattle, and that it's like, oh, like it creates almost a community vibe that kind of gets it. Like soccer is such a global sport. Too. Exactly, it's really easy to market. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to draw fans to, and it just kind of takes. It's funny because like Americans, I feel like they never pay attention until a team shows up in their city, and they're like, oh, I'd go to this, and yeah, like, oh, it's fun, and then it's like, oh. I've been missing this my whole life. To, to a point of that, you know, my brother, I don't even know, I don't know where, I think it was a 2016 or 2014 World Cup. There's 2014 World Cup, and he just became a fan out of nowhere. And I'm like, where'd this come from? Soccer and stuff like that. And then I went to my first sport in Kansas City game and really realized that soccer fans are some of the best in the world. And a lot of American fans, yeah, we understand the tailgating portion of it, but actual atmosphere in a game is unmatched at soccer games. And, you know, just going off like with just these popping up in different cities, you know, it's just wild to think that MLS, I think that they could be easily second to the NFL someday within the next 10, 15 years. Yeah, if they, if they play right. And that's 
going back to Oakland, like that's what this A's move is. Yep. That's what exactly what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Is the fans were there. It's sad, but the product wasn't there, and you know that the product's going to be bigger if you put it on a stage like Vegas. Like the Vol- the Golden Knights are a big product now. Like they were since the day they came into the league because they were great. Uh, Vegas, like the Raiders, like they're the Raiders. They're a historic team. They're not great ever, but they're like people go and watch them. They're a good product on the field. They have exciting players. So. And the team that we have not covered that in Vegas is the Las Vegas Aces, the, yeah. the WNBA. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't watch the NBA, obviously, but like for women's sports, that is such a big move. And they have now, I think they've won what two championships now. They've been huge over there. They had yeah. a big free agency. Like it's just good overall for the sport to be at a, at a big part. Yep. So, yeah. It, it, overall, I think baseball's in a good spot right now. I think it's growing. I think it's more exciting, especially with between the new rules, everything like that. Young players too on the rise. I think make yeah. the game more exciting for. Yeah. No. Yeah. Totally. And it's the continuing. Like it's. It feels like players are showed like showing their emotion. I feel like it all started almost with like a bat flip once, and it's like, oh, I'm gonna start doing this. And it's like, oh, this is cool. It's not your like grandpa's like baseball where you. Sp- bit on your hands and that's what you used and that was that <laughs> but it's 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 the home runs you watch for and like that's what i learned playing it's like oh it's fun it's and strategic and yeah so it's it's good that they're marketing it in such a big way that's a huge thing marketing sports there's a lot of ones there's a lot of sports out there that don't market it well that i know of like even in the motorsports world there's sports that don't market it well and you wonder why your fan base is not growing and you wonder why younger people aren't getting into it but like baseball you know you saw your time where like maybe oh you're getting worried about it we're now Again, marketing well, and they're putting themselves in great position. New personalities; those are huge. I think those are key points. Fantastic points, actually, that don't get brought up enough. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take another pause here, and we're going to get to the NFL draft. All right. We are going to play kind of a game, kind of a simulator, however you want to play it. We're going to do the NFL mock draft to the first 20 picks uh, because the tw- because the non-playoff teams are just more exciting than the playoff teams uh, when it comes to picks. We are well, not... Even though some of these teams are playoff teams. Oh, yeah. You have the Eagles at number nine. That's, <laughs> Seattle yeah, five. But anyways, um, no trades and the way how it's going to go. So I'm going to start with one, then Charlie, Blake, Mark, Jack, and Dylan because that's how we are sitting uh, we'll make the picks after that. So another uh, rule: if your team is uh, like, if you you get to represent your own team, uh, but it works out that Dylan has a six and the eighteenth pick. Uh, so if Mark's Green Bay pick comes up and it's not his turn, he can pick for them. Uh, Jack and his Seahawks. Or, or you can just critique the heck out of the team, the person that is. Okay. However yeah. you want to do it. All righty. So. Let's get this NFL mock draft underway. I got the number one pick. Here we go. And on the clock, we got two minutes to pretty much make a selection. Maybe. Okay. Um. Hold up. I was really not hoping I get the first pick, but I mean, Just it works out before fine. Before you call it, let me know when you're okay, ready. Okay. Yeah, uh, we're gonna make the music. It's really tough. I think it's pretty obvious uh, who are the two people are. We're gonna go quarterback here. Okay. Um. One second. So with the first pick of the 2023 NFL draft, last take draft, the Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama. Sorry, I think send the booze. I don't know. I I really like CJ, but Bryce Young, I think has a bit more upside. So I'm going to go Bryce Young number one. Charlie, you're number two. 
All right. Clock. So I know what I'm going to do with this pick, and I guess we're not doing the thing no. anymore. So <laughs> if I was the Houston Texans, we don't really know if they're going to go quarterback. Maybe they're going to go with an edge. They could go Will Anderson. I'm going to pick C.J. Stroud here. I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. Um, I think he's more accurate than Bryce Young. Pocket presence isn't as good as Bryce Young, but other than that, I just like I've liked him more really ever since the last uh, the end of the 2021-22 season. So he's just been my favorite quarterback in this class. I think the Texans they need a quarterback. They could wait until next year, but for me, it's hard to see them you know getting out of this draft without who they think their guy could be. So C.J. Stroud is my pick. All right, Blake. All right, now the Cardinals are on the clock here, and I actually know who I'm going to pick here. I'm going to pick one of my favorite wide receivers to watch that's from the same team as the as who we were just picking, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Whoa. Shocker. Whoa, from way whoa. far down. Uh, okay. In the weirdest way, it makes sense because they are going to get rid of D-Hop, and they're going to have yeah. so I do. I, I, just, I literally just looked up, like, what do what? they— what, what do that's, that's early though. What, yeah, that's, what, that's interesting. That's very early. What, what do the Cardinals? You might have just need? screwed over the Packers, which you, is a good you thing. You just handed yeah. the Seahawks a gift wrap Dude, basket, man, and I right. cannot. Um, unless Mark takes that guy. No, Mark's not going to because the Colts need one thing. And one but thing. yeah, I just, I just looked up what do they need wide receiver, and I'm like, why is I was looking at some of these people's pick, and I'm like, why is Jackson Smith and Jigba so low? I mean, there's granted there's a lot of other great wide receivers out there, but like I. Is he even the best wide receiver in the draft? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think know. he's. Uh, yeah, I, I think, he's, I think, I think he, is. he is. I think he is. I mean, you, you never know. Trey, Trey Palmer? I, yeah. <laughs> Top 100. I think, I, I think so. Um, but, not. Nah, yeah, that's my pick. All right. Very interesting. All right, Mark, with the Colts, you're on the clock. So, I, I know who I want. And it's going to be Will Levis from Kentucky. Yeah. That just makes sense. Yeah, I think... If the Colts, obviously, I mean, depends on what happens in real life. That's probably the best pick available for the Colts. So, Jack, you got the steal of the draft. This is the easiest decision I've oh. ever made, and honestly, it's the dream scenario for the Seahawks because oh. this is not going to happen on Thursday night. I'm taking Will Anderson Jr. because he's the best overall player in this draft. I think he's by, so good by a by a a big margin, and I think the Seahawks. And no matter what, I was taking a D lineman. Um, Seahawks need something in the trenches. They need some kind of spark, and I think Will Anderson Jr. is the perfect addition for that Seahawks team. And edge rushers is exactly what we need because we don't pressure quarterbacks at all. Uh, so yeah, I'm taking Will Anderson Jr. Where's my mouse? All right, I'm up with the Lions. Uh, this is, I mean, for some Lions fans, I mean, we uh, it's a pretty easy pick in my opinion. It is, but Brad Holmes seems to like Jalen Carter, but I don't. And this is who I think they should take. They should take the best corner in the draft. There's a reason why we got rid of Okuda, and it's not even close. Corner out of Oregon, Christian Gonzalez. It's Good not pick. even close. Good pick. That is I think, probably my favorite pick yeah, so far. I think that's the way, honestly, of how draft night's going to go. I think by you trading Jeff Okuda, you have to go corner. I mean, if Jalen Carter's available, cool. But I think, well, he, but also I think he's the best. I think he's the best skill position player maybe in the draft outside of Andrew. He's just athletic. He can get around the ball. He can track a ball like crazy. He's a really really good prospect. And I think Dan Campbell would make, forge him to a great, exactly an elite, so good elite corner. Um, can you show me the team needs of the Raiders real quick? I yeah, think we're at, defense. Uh, That's I'm pretty it. sure it's defense. <laughs> corner. That's what need. They need a corner. Corner. They do. 
Yeah, uh, I, I offensive tackle. I know they do. I think that Lions pick really hurt you. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't pick Gonzalez, I was definitely gonna pick. Should that. take Devon Witherspoon. Mm. How about Nolan Smith? <laughs> no, oh uh, man. You're on the clock. Man, this not all of them. I mean, either. So I'm looking here. Obviously, I think their biggest need is offensive tackle. I'm, but this is what I would do, not what the Raiders would do, because obviously the Raiders would make a really bad pick here. <laughs> um, years past, they've made really bad first. Zay first Flowers. Rounds. That's probably. <laughs> 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 oh man. Um, if I were if I were here, um, I would. Well, we're not doing this, but we, I would make a trade to get probably further down. Yeah, this is definitely a trade on spot, um, especially because my guy was Gonzalez until you took him. I think this is the perfect but, opportunity for the Titans to trade with the Raiders if this was a real. If this was a real draft, I'm making it. Because you with still the have you saw yeah. Richardson available, and that's yep. that feels like a Titans. I, I'm going to go with a safe bet here. I will take Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois, uh, getting that corner spot. I know that's not necessarily their top of the needs, but. Once again, he's still a very good player. There's, he's a good it's a, player. It's a, it's a great cornerback class, and I think it's that's, a very deep one. Very yeah, deep. Really, really good. So I think that's a good pick. So it's just the best pick I could make since there is no trades. But yeah, I think Devon Witherspoon is where you got to go. And yeah. All right. So now I'm up with the Atlanta Falcons, the eighth pick in the draft. And I think if this is how it goes, I think the Falcons are going to be pretty happy. Because my pick here would be Tyree Wilson, edge out of Texas Tech. I think that'd be a great pick for the Falcons. Their D-line was not good at all last year. I think they were ranked 30 or 31 in sacks. They just was uh, not just the defense in general. But I think, you know, you're pairing Grady Jarrett up with another great uh, defender there. So I think that's that's what my pick would be if I was Atlanta. All right. I think that fits. I think that, I, 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 I think that fits Atlanta more than... I think Tyree Wilson every, fits Atlanta more every than any draft. other team. Every mock draft I've done, Tyree Wilson's always going to Atlanta. Because he feels like he's going to slide no matter what. I think he's going to slide that bit. much. Not, not and a much, he just but a little bit. Unless Arizona, some, or, uh, that, that would if, be it, crazy. It, I could definitely see Arizona that just being weird because <laughs> it's Arizona. I'm, so, I'm sorry, okay. but I don't see them taking Jackson. <laughs> well, again, I'm not, I'm not playing to be uh, super logical here. I'm just <laughs> trying to... Like what, a, you, it's a, what you would do. Yeah, what yeah, I would do, which isn't necessarily the, maybe the best thing to do. All right, you're on the clock for me and Mark. The Bears! Yeah, <laughs> we don't like these guys. I don't, I don't, I don't hate the Bears. I don't hate but, them. But, you know, Justin Fields. They're too irrelevant for me to hate he, them. So. He needs a lot of help. He needs a lot of help from that O-line. And I'm going to pick someone from, again, from The Ohio State University. Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle. Yeah, the Bears. That works. The Bears do need an offensive line here. Um... It, that's actually a good pick. It depends. Uh, yeah, I just think overall that's a pretty good pick. All right. Mark. Okay. Eagles. So I got the Eagles. I'm going to pick an offensive tackle here, and it's going to be Peter Skoronsky from Northwestern. Probably right. the best OT say, in yeah. the draft. That's a good pick. Because the Eagles, the Eagles are fun. I would kind of wish I had the Eagles because I – I'm, I might take him with the Titans here, but I would probably would have taken Bijan because they don't have many places that well, have here, holes. Well, here's where I think about the Eagles going O-line. Is their O-line, yes, they're probably one of the best in the NFL for a long period of time. It's depth, though. and you, But they're getting matter. so old. They're, they're yeah, getting yeah. pretty yep. old, and Jason yep. Kelsey, I'm surprised, is still coming also, back for another a, year. A team that was in the Super Bowl having a the number 10 pick overall is it's a steal. insane and unheard of. And I think, yeah, uh, uh, that's just a depth piece. And you sometimes you take the best overall player, and I think that's probably what that pick is. But, yeah, so I have the Titans now at pick 11. And I think the Titans could do 
I've, I have two things I want to do. Because there's one guy, there's three guys that are right there. So you could take, Titans have been kind of looking at maybe a quarterback this year, so you could take Anthony Richardson. However, if you're serious about trading Henry, B. John Robinson, I think, is going to be a beast. A beast. And I think that that would be, whoever gets him is going to immediately have a top 15 quarterback, excuse me, uh, running back in the league. Um, but right now, I think the Titans, they need a quarterback. They've talked about it openly. Uh, Malik Willis just hasn't worked out, and it seems like Tannehill's kind of slowing down. So if I'm the Titans right here, I'm probably taking Anthony Richardson. Uh, yeah, I'd say. Pick 11. Yeah, it's, a safe, it's a safe pick. pick. Um, yeah. All right. Texans. <laughs> um, I am actually going to look at this because I'm going to be honest. T- Texans are I'd a say, too um, irrelevant for me to realize what they need. Really? It's a joke. No. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like there's, I think like my pick would be pretty clear here. I think I, my pick is obvi- very obvious here, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's, I mean, he was the projected number one overall pick at one point, and he slid so far, and I don't think the Texans could pass it up, so uh, Jalen Carter is going to be a Texan. Yep. Hot, hot take. I would have taken Bijan right there. You uh, automatically you automatically give Stroud a top weapon immediately because Bijan can catch. Yeah, he's an offensive. Yeah, but you do you do need D line help though. Bad. Yeah, they I mean, just need players. Well, they also to be honest. Really they hired uh, what's his name Demar- Demarco Ryan's yep. out of Forty Nine. So he's a very defensive coach. Yep, yep, yep. I think no. It's a, no, it's a good it's a good pick. I just I think Bijan. I like Bijan, and I think that yeah. I don't know. All right, uh, I got the Packers, but Mark, do you want to make this pick? Sure. Um, we're going to take Dalton Kincaid from Utah. All right. Okay. So are you guys just swapping positions? Well, I mean, he already picked the Eagles, so I just landed. I pretty much gave him my pick. That's what I did because it's his favorite team. Yeah. Oh, oh I so, so would, I, would oh. I get the Jets? Yeah. Okay. So, Charlie, you're up. So it's still me here. Yeah. All right. So now with the 14th pick here, got the New England Patriots and – if it's me, I'm going to take cornerback out of Penn State, Joey Porter Jr. That That's high, especially who we still have on the board, honestly. I think. But that that's Bill Belichick. I think right that's there. just Bill <laughs> Belichick. I, he loves no, corners. If anything, I'm surpri- I won't be surprised if Bill goes with that or this guy named Lucas Finesse from Iowa. Yeah. I think. Thor? Huh? Thor? Yeah. It's just... It's a you don't know what you don't know what Bill's gonna do at all. That that's true. You know he took Cole Strange out of Chattanooga <laughs> in the first round. Who you saw the Rams laughing or whatever, and the Sean McVay and the GM were laughing because he was like a projected what like fourth round. I don't. Yeah, he was like a day three pick. Day three pick. So you know you really never know what you're gonna get with him. But I think this is the pick right here. It's a corner. So I, for me, he's the third best corner in the draft. Uh, the other two are off the board at this point. So that's my pick for the, the Patriots. All right. Blake. All right. Jets. The Jets, Aaron Rodgers' new home. Um, Aaron Rodgers getting old. He's getting a little frail here. And I agree. <laughs> you just you just don't like that he left. Um, Mark, Mark, he's still a top five quarterback. Yeah. Not wrong. Yeah. And he's the best quarterback in your history, probably. He's so. a top five quarterback of all time. He's I consider him as a goat. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think he's probably four of all time. Yeah. yeah Personally, I think it's fair. The only thing that's holding him back is his Super Bowl rings. I, yeah, probably. Only yeah. thing. Uh, only thing that's holding him back. And he's had some eh, teams. 
He said some eh coaches too, but yeah. but he's gonna need Sidebar, all. Though. He's anyways. Uh, yes. he, <laughs> Sorry. No, that's I, I like it. Um, but he's getting old and frail, so he's gonna need some help with the O line. I think I'm gonna stick to the O line. I'm gonna go with Broderick Jones. All right, uh, Georgia, the Bulldogs. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mark Ray had two. So say yeah. Do you want me to make this pick? Go yeah. Ahead, I go say ahead. I'll make this pick then because uh, Mark took my thirteenth pick. We. I know he said no trades, but it's his favorite team, so I lent it to him. Uh, Washington, go to their team needs. O line. I say O line. O line. I, I don't think their their edge rushers are new p- owner. Like new pretty stadium. good. New just yeah. New name. They have new a new owner. <laughs> new they know yeah. They, they um, do have a new owner now. But yeah. So, yeah. Corner. I don't think they're not going to take. I won't take uh, Deontay Banks. Um, honestly, I think you might hate me for this, Jack. I think for how far he slid and it's just his upside, and I don't know what Antonio Gibson or whatever backs we have. I'm going to take B. John Robinson. I think that's a that's, good pick. No, uh, he's, he slid far. He slid yep. so far, and Washington is known for just you best know, pick available. Don't know Washington. You needed you needed something like yeah. You needed some spark. Bijan's perfect, and if Bijan slides down to Washington, I think that's a beautiful. That's I think it's a dream scenario. All right, uh, Steelers. So Steelers' defensive line is great. It's awesome. This might turn into a best player available, but also we also have to think about is your new quarterback Pickett and his wide receivers, and it's running pretty thin right now. So I'm going to take Zay Flowers out of Boston College. His stock has been going through the roof right now, and quite frankly, I think... I, well, what's up, Dylan? You mad? You a little bit mad? <laughs> Probably gonna take him. <laughs> yeah, you a little mad. No, his stock's been going up through the roof. Uh, and then you put, yeah, you put him in that system. I think it's gonna be really good. Kenny Pickett. You need another, like, you want another wide receiver. You've lost Juju and Chase Claypool in the last year. You want another piece. And Zay Flowers, I think, it would fit that perfectly. Now I'm a little stuck. I don't know what to get. Let's see. Um, I'm looking at wide receivers real quick. Let's see. We have you, Jordan Addison. I don't know. It's it's a drop after the first couple. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't take one now. I'd Lions probably can address that in the second round. Tight end, maybe. We Say did Michael get rid Howard. of Hawkinson. Mm. What about Quinton Johnson? I don't I'm not a big fan. I'm gonna be honest. Okay. I, I I like Jordan Addison more. No, no, if I was yeah, gonna yeah. take a wide receiver here, it'd be Addison. Okay. Actually, in my opinion, I would have taken Ninjigba, but he got taken at three, so <laughs> Um, nothing, this, nothing wrong with and that. And this is around when Nijibu, uh, Nick Jigba would be around. He would still be gone anyways. Yeah, probably. Like. But, um, yeah. I don't know. This is tough. I mean, Probably going to come down to really what Dan Campbell really wants. And But for me, we did get rid of Hawkinson. Michael Mayer is a very good player. I'm just going to take the position we need is tight end, another offensive weapon. Michael Merritt is a very good tight end, so I'm going to ta- I'm going to take a Michael that's Merritt a, out of Notre Dame. That's a Dan Campbell type of uh, yeah. type of move right there. I like former it. tight end himself, so, yeah. so like my, it. my earlier mock draft I did before this uh, during class, uh, I actually did have him taking Michael Meyer. I think they did, they just need to address that tight end position, uh, even though you got like. One of the best players in the draft, and Christian Gonzalez. Yeah. Um, nineteen with the Buccaneers. This is it's interesting. You got Baker Mayfield now as your quarterback. Um, say let me show me their team needs real quick. All right. I think this is probably maybe we. I don't know if you take best available. 
okay, they're top knee is corner, but they're safe. Oh, man. Um, there's definitely, if you're looking edge, there's definitely three. Say there's three three really go good, really good edges here. Yeah, I'm, I might just have to go edge. The player I want now, just we already have it filled. Um, I'm going to go with Miles Murphy out of Clemson. I think Ooh, it's a little hot take. Uh, I, I just I would pick him in this inst- instance. I'm not sure about Nolan Smith and how I quite feel about him quite yet. Uh, the athleticism is there, but it is. But I mean, yeah, I just choose. I would choose him just for this instance. Okay, right. this is final pick. Yeah. So wait, could you? Is there a way you could go down so I could see the last couple picks? Yeah. Thanks. Uh, so this is twenty. So Seattle, if I was the Seahawks, I would trade down right here. Um, I would, because I, I think you just got Will Anderson, which is yep. great pick. You probably, if you didn't get Anderson, as the, you know, this pick is where I would be thinking you would go edge. But now since you have that, I'm thinking probably since I'm saying trade down, the best interior offensive lineman in this draft, Osiris Osiris Torrance out of Florida, who this is a little high for him, so you can get an extra pick there maybe. Uh, that would be my pick if I was Seattle. I would go. I would be. I, I would go offensive line, but I would yeah. trade down to do it. I would trade down to thirty with the Saints and see what they could offer you. Yeah. Because uh, they are a team that is tight, and I mean absolute tight on cap right now. Um, see what they could give up. Um, the whole. I'm not. And obviously, the higher you at, the more money you are. But also, like New Orleans is kind of. They're slowly becoming uh, a playoff team. Especially with the signing of Derek Carr, and they're they're probably desperate enough to build an offense around him. So I would I would look at the Saints to see at, but yeah. So I mean th- that would be my pick though, right there. I would I would go interior offensive line if I was Seattle at this point. I don't know if you guys, you, Jack is a Seahawks fan, so he can. I guess you could also say what yeah. you would do in this situation. So in this in this situation, I definitely agree with you because you have probably the best player in the draft that slid to you. So and you're taking Torrance, right? Yeah, that would yeah, be my pick. Right now. Right uh, so I would, I would then probably back up uh, to 30 or something. I would stay in the first round because there's a lot of offensive linemen left. There's a lot of D linemen left too, um, which are our two biggest needs. Um, right now, though, uh, if we found ourselves in this situation, say we took Jalen Carter at five, which I think is probably the most likely outcome as of right now, is Carter at five. I would probably look to go for Nolan Smith edge and just load up that D line because uh, also Nolan Smith his like he never had any tape until this year because of how good the Georgia Bulldogs have been over the last couple of years. Um, so I'd probably take Nolan Smith, but also right now I, Darnell Wright too from Tennessee, dog he was really 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 good. Uh, so and it's you can never have too much O line and the Seahawks last year in their draft really bulked up their O line. Um, so I think that would also be a pretty safe pick, but I would probably so just you, load up the edge and the we were awful against the run defense. So, but it, probably so just, if you got you Will, took him. I say my mock track. I I took Darnell right with our twentieth. No, 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 yeah, yeah. So that I think that's if you got that's Will. Safe. So you would go Darnell right here if you got Will Anderson like in this situation. Maybe, but it, that's only if you didn't get a good trade. In the, okay, for, but I would not leave the first round. If yeah. I did, I'm asking for a first next year. So yeah, yeah, I'm just saying I would definitely trade down as well. Which isn't a bad thing because if the Seahawks don't take a quarterback, which is another scenario that is very plausible, if the Seahawks don't take a quarterback this year, they're probably taking a quarterback next year, and next year's class is loaded. So if you had two first round picks next year, that's just ammo to move up if you really needed to. So 
Yeah, so but right here, I'd probably take Narvon right. Um, he is a pretty big dog. Uh, great, great uh, blocker, especially for the inside. Um, but yeah, so I would I would probably take Darnell Wright right here. But um, you guys you guys need help kind of everywhere on the offensive line, or is it just not really? It's it's center's bad. Our center. center's bad. So I'd probably do. I'd look at interior, um, but Darnell Wright I think fits perfectly right now it's for just, just what for what we have value. I mean, yeah. Torrance, you know, this is really high for him at that. I'm just saying yeah. he's the best interior offensive lineman in no, the draft. So absolutely, no, absolutely. It's but that's another one. It's, if you think you can get him later in the draft and you can get something out of it, trade, trade back. down. Right. Absolutely, yeah, yep. yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm gonna talk about the Minnesota Vikings because obviously they're my team. The guy I really want is Jordan Addison. He might fall. I'd say I, if. I'm not saying obviously this is not going to happen because unless the Cardinals really do go wide receiver at three, but um, <laughs> hey. it's it's all right. It's, when, it's, it's, when it happens, this what it's a this is what it's about. Don't come back, Colin. Okay, this is what it right it's now. about. I'm you just gotta gl- have I'm fun just with glad it. this is recorded because if it does happen, it's going to be the greatest prediction in the history of mock drafts. <laughs> you should, I, you should, I've made some should just quietly like you're from Iowa, so it's legal. Maybe just possibly bet Jackson Smith, Smith and Jigba going three just. Possibly, just do it. I'm not, you know what? Wouldn't it hurt? No, I might. The, no, the more you think about it, if Diop is gone, they could become all very... need, like yeah, their D line is like iffy, especially after Watt left, and like their O line's okay. But it, yeah, it, it there's a desperate. world where it makes sense. No, 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 no it definitely does. It's, it's just it's possibility. Yeah, yeah, but I like Jordan Addison, especially the backfield with. Justin Jefferson and KJ Osborne. That will be an insane elite group with Kirk Cousins. Good luck, um, NFC North. There's defenses. one problem with the sentence you just said. Kirk Cousins. You said with Kirk Cousins, and that's the only thing. That, well, that's why I don't see it being smart, in my opinion. But well, also, like at you, the same time, you did lose Thielen. So we got like, to we got to find a guy to replace Thielen. Yep, and, no, that that's totally. And up. Jordan Addison is. Yep. He's he's a common he's a really good route runner. The yards after catch is what I look for in a, in a wide receiver. Um, he's definitely done that at Pitt a lot. He does that a lot more at Pitt than he did at USC. Um, he didn't. I don't know. I didn't really check check in on him. How well did he do this year at USC? I didn't feel like I, you heard him a lot. But also, we live at the I live in the, we live in the Midwest. So but also, he had Caleb Williamson as his like. Yeah, as his quarterback, so he's probably getting insane yardage. I mean, I just pulled. He didn't up. even get a thousand. So like, okay. I mean, well, he had a, He didn't even he did get. A, he didn't have a thousand, but but like l- he, almost less than half the receptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sixty catches for eight hundred seventy-five yards and eight touchdowns. He was averaging fourteen yards per catch. So I mean, that's, he, that's impressive. He had a down year. I guess that works. And that, that's but a, but that's also, a, that's a Thielen role too. Like yeah. that's that's that role player. So that's good. Exactly, and he he fits the motive very well in Minnesota. Don't know if he'll slide all the way, but then obviously I think the backup plan is Quentin Johnson. Yep. Um, but that would work too. But yeah, yeah, I think you're sitting pretty with that. Unless you, th- you just trade out. I mean that that's a Vikings move. Yeah, we'll trade. We'll trade out the first, out first round. round. Yeah. So. Trading down with the Lions, getting a gambler. Huh? But yeah. Oof. All right. Well, this concludes an episode of Last Take, Jack. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, thank for you. Coming of on course. today. Thank you, boys, for having all me. the insight.
Fantastic insight. Quality insight. Whenever you need me, I'm here. <laughs> Thank Alrighty. you, guys. And another shout-out for the podcast. Yes, uh, two guys, one foul pole. That's the number two, number one guys, foul pole, uh, on anywhere on Spotify. And we come out every Friday at uh, midnight, so check for it there. There'll be a podcast coming out this Friday, this upcoming Friday, and I think this Friday we're also going to be moving to weekly podcast, not bi-weekly. So look for that on Spotify. And yeah, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, so make sure you follow our socials on Instagram at the Last Take Pod, all lowercase on Twitter, capital TLT, the Last Take Twenty Two. Uh, we are available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, so signing off, it is Charlie, Blake, Mark, Jack, apparently, Dylan, and if you might have a good rest of your day, folks, and we'll catch you on to the next one. GBR.